Today we're talking about design for storytelling. No, not the corporate buzzword version of storytelling, actual storytelling. Design meets journalism meets community. It's all coming up next on First You Hustle, a podcast from the Columbus College of Art and Design meant to help students and budding creative professionals put their expertise to use. seen them around on newsstands in coffee shops entryways to public places it's 614 magazine it's the premier source to find out what is happening in the city where to go and who to see today i'm talking to their editor travis haywisher editor-in-chief for 614 magazine and stock and barrel and a variety of other publications when design meets journalism the mission isn't to sell a product after all 614's publications are free in print and online it is to tell stories and entertain. I, I'd say based on even when I was in college nearly 20 years ago, I think people care, I think people are entertained by being informed much more than ever before. Which means you might be able to do some things in this arena that you just can't do at an ad agency. We'll dive into what it takes to turn out free media for an entire city on a consistent basis. Hint, it's a lot of work from a small group of people and how design fits into the equation. Your layouts, illustration, photography, graphic design, and the things on the horizon. Short video documentaries. I mean, I think, I think if anything, that's what a lot of our content in the magazine is. Like the closest counterpart in another medium would be, you know, your 60 second doc type stuff. and welcome back to First You Hustle. This is our farewell to summer. Classes are back in session next week. As a programming note, this episode features 614 Magazine discussing design and journalism, but the episodes that are going to follow this one will feature students, and we're going to run a series of students reflecting on their summer internships, telling us about their experiences. Last year, we produced a series of episodes that were more instructional, you know, how to pitch yourself, how to navigate the application process, networking, and so forth. This fall, we're going to do things a little more anecdotally. You'll see a lot of the skills we reviewed on the podcast, in our workshops, and in the classroom in a real-world application from the student interns that we interviewed. But back to 614. Our interview does make mention of internship opportunities, and just so you know, 614 is always looking for college students who are ready to put on their editorial wings and have the opportunity to try out design in a place where it is otherwise hard to access. By that, I mean I see students getting opportunities to apply design in lots of areas, Redesign packaging, reimagining the branding of a product or company, design a website or an app to better utilize a service, things like that. But how often do students get the chance to tell stories with their design work? I don't mean tell the story of a product. I mean tell a story of something that is actually happening in their community. At bigger universities like the one I attended, we had a student-run newspaper, a student-run radio station, a student-run TV station, student-produced magazines. I mean, there were many clubs that allowed students, whether they were journalists, graphic designers, media producers, photographers, you name it, to take on original projects and have an outlet to actually publish them. 614 provides a similar sense of community access, but with professional execution, to tell the stories of Columbus's culture. Where else can you do that with literally having zero prior experience? In this world, you are the presenter. You show us what this story is. Not a company, not a brand. It is the people telling the stories of other people that live, work, and play in the Columbus scene. Here is my conversation with Travis Hayswisher, editor of 614 Magazine. 
Uh, 614 Magazine is, I believe we put out 115 issues. So that has been the flagship since 2009. Um, the media group started as a college media group, started in like weekly newsprints, and the magazine was an offshoot of that. But now that has caused kind of everything else to follow suit. So now every publication that we have is glossy and free. Um, past 614, the monthly flagship, we have a quarterly food and drink magazine called Stock and Barrel. We have a monthly college magazine called 1870 that serves Ohio State. And then we also have two one-off annual publications that go direct mail, which are 614 Home and 614 Family. And 614 Now and eat614.com are, are two di big digital properties. So it's a little bit of everything. Are there properties online that you don't have in print? or 100%. Yeah. I mean, 614now.com is a direct outgrowth of the limitations of the monthly magazine. And it, we came around in an era where people were wanting things much more quick and less digestible and somehow are kind of somewhat long form tactile monthly magazine had succeeded but we realized along with that that we grew this very kind of you know robust online presence through social media platforms and 614 now was a direct outgrowth of like well how do we take the people that like our brand and like how we present the stories of columbus and keep them more updated on a daily basis so it's a little bit of everything yeah and you know we're we're here today to talk about sort of the design side of uh, of journalism and and kind of the real storytelling. What are some of those tasks and roles and, and things like that? Well, I mean, I guess I could start that from a little bit more of like a bird's eye view of you know I am a writer. That's my background. Um, I obviously love the idea of long form journalism, and I think journalism is important. As a free monthly magazine, I don't really think that's exactly what we do on every single page, and I think. Not only am I realistic, but I think we kind of take the challenge of what's going to make people pick this up. And I think especially in this free, glossy, monthly format, um, people aren't really there for the primary reason of being informed. It's at least partially shared with wanting to be entertained, wanting to be like visually engaged. And I think, I think beyond other more kind of broad publications in the city, we have this responsibility and this sort of fun niche where, I mean, we're trying to show off the creative part of Columbus. So even if it's a story about a hot dog joint or if it's a story about somebody who designs their own ties, all of it is trying to tap into this creative spirit of Columbus. And, you know, you can't really get people interested in the creative aspect of the city if you're not presenting it in a creative way yourself. So, I mean, maybe that's a longer answer to your question, but like vision... The visual presentation is everything. Like mm -hmm. my, my background is newspapers. As in newspapers, you decide the stories first because it's whatever news is happening. You go with what's happening, and then you figure out whether you're going to put a headshot of you know the politician that's being interviewed in the story, or you're going to do a you know just a random piece of wild art, as they said, you know, like a piece of like a, a picture of somebody swinging on a swing in, a, in the local park. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to have pictures, but it's much more of kind of like. Pictures and images are a little bit more of the background of the design of a newspaper, and mm -hmm. they, they almost are more decided after the fact as attachments. Mm -hmm. um, in our case, we don't really have a magazine unless we can figure out what the front page is going to be. What, you know, like, okay, cool, this is a story about a band. You told me the story. I get it. The backstory is interesting. How do we get people to stop on that page and not flip on to the next one? Because, 
And that's even just the way the stories compete with one another. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if the next page is this beautiful plate of food, some people might not even need any more words to understand. Great. That looks tasty. Mm-hmm. I want to go to there, yeah. <laughs> you know, but if the page before is a more of a nuanced story about the history of Columbus, you still got to find a way on every single page visually to bring people in and then and retain them and keep them there. Yeah. And I think one of the challenges might be that when you are designing for, let's say like a, a product that like you want to showcase a product, the product can tell you, or at least the people making the product can tell you, these are the things you need to highlight. These are the aspects we want to draw people in for specific reasons for something like a story about something that's going on in Columbus. How do you determine like what is the right angle or the right sort of motif or how do we want to style this when it's, it's completely up to you. There's no sort of like specific behavior you're trying to, to well, affect. P- well, part of it is they, don't, I mean, how it will be presented visually is built into the pitch. You know, so it's like um, if somebody says, I want to do a story about X, how how excited I get about it or we, I should say, how excited we get about it versus like the feeling of whether we can execute it all has to do right from the beginning with what is the, the visual. Because sometimes people will tell me a really interesting story. Maybe it involves local politics. If I can't think of how we're going to illustrate that or photograph that, then I'm like, mm, maybe it's not a good fit for us. So I think that's the main real key is that like it's really images before the story in some cases because if somebody hands me a bunch of great imagery, I think a good example would be um, recently we did a story on a photographer named Andy Grizel, and I just found him on Instagram and Andy clearly started doing something very, very thematic, which was taking these photos of strangers that he didn't know walking around downtown. Mm -hmm. He found a certain way to caption them in a certain light. There's a certain tone to them. And, you know, I saw that and I ended up calling him up, find, tracking him down, interviewing him and asking him about like, asking him things that I cared about when I saw the photos. So it was really much more like, you know, me seeing the photos, like I would see a piece in an art gallery and get to talk to the artist. So I was asking like, what is it about this that draws you into people? I noticed you see, there's a lot of windows in your photos. Like what, 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 you know, captures your attention that way. So that's the type of story that never would have existed as just a straight up assignment. Like I, like I couldn't have had a writer do that and then ask a photographer to, to take the photos that go along with that. The, sto- the, the photos were the story. Do you use your, your graphic designers, your photographers, your, the people who work primarily in visuals, are they a part of the story pitching process or are they kind of on further down the chain of these are the stories, now we need you to visualize it? This is going to sound confusing, but both. Okay. Um, let's look at it, the same story from three parts. So let's say there's a story about Brewdog. A writer might pitch that, and then we're sitting in a creative meeting, me and the editor, the other editor, and our photographers and our designers. And I'll say, okay, we've got a story about Brewdog opening up. Uh, how do we do something with this that isn't just your standard, like here's a plate and here's a beer. And then maybe uh, somebody might sit now in that room, it could be a photographer, an intern, another writer that happens to be stopping by or a designer that says, Ooh, could we actually get a dog looking like they're drinking beer? (laughs) Then we decide who's going to execute that. Is it a photograph? Great. Okay, cool. The idea came from a designer. Now they have some input on how it got captured so that when it comes back to them from the field, they're like, great, this is sort of what I wanted. <laughs> okay. And then they have, they have a head start on which to design that page. Or it might be 
ooh, that's a great idea, but that might be kind of hard to pull off logistically. Maybe one of our illustrators or one of our graphic designers makes something digitally or hand-drawn that is a dog drinking Look like he's drinking beer. Right. And just as a disclaimer, you didn't make a dog drink no, beer. No, we did not. No, no. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm looking at him on the cover right now. He looks very happy, but he did not drink the beer. He tried. If a graphic designer or an illustrator or a photographer just shows me something they like or just shows me something that they were working on on the side, my brain is always going to get excited and go, ooh, is there a, is there a story that we can put with that? <laughs> that really is kind of what Instagram is. Like instead of seeing a good photographer on Instagram and then trying to decide which of our stories they would be good to photograph, I just use their photographs and write about them as an artist. Because yeah. they've, already, they've already put some story in motion by the things that they choose. Yeah, so it might be story, visual, it might be simultaneous, or it could be visual yeah, and then story. Right. Some, some months it's 50-50, some months it's 90-10, some mm-hmm. months it's more like 30-70. And, and so now back to digital mediums. So um, obviously by, with a magazine you're limited to still images mm-hmm. whether they're illustrated or fo- photographed how has the digital mediums uh, affected like animation or motion graphics or obviously video like is that stuff starting to be incorporated or is it more like online is a is ca- carbon copy of what you see in the magazine not maybe not it exactly is, but like it always has mostly been a facsimile of what you see mm-hmm. but i think our attempt and our hope for the future is to always get outside of that and, and, and I think there's, there's no problem in being honest. I mean, that's, it's strictly a, it's a labor issue. It's not a matter of the content not having, I mean, the content I feel like that we produce in the monthly magazine has a nearly unlimited ways you could tell and retell portions of that story. You know, I, I, I feel like if we're doing our job correctly, you could take any story in the magazine and say, okay, if I gave you all the money in the world and all the time in the world, how would you turn this into a podcast? How would you turn this into a Spotify playlist? How would you turn this into a short video? How would you turn this into a board game? (laughs) You know, I mean, like, really, I think that's, it's all about the different ways that you diversify your stories into different mediums. Right now, it's more potential than practice. And I think that's part of what we're, always looking to do and bringing in more, you know, college talent and bringing in more people to the fold. And sometimes it's even just freelance artists, it's friends of mine, friends of ours that have an idea. You're, you're looking for people who see the potential to tell a story in a multitude of ways, rather than just your standard story starts here. It says it's by this person. There's a photo to the right and you move on to the next page. Yeah. So resources aside, let's say you have unlimited resources. Mm-hmm. What, where do you think your greatest potentials? are like what what are areas you'd want to dive into that you you just can't for logistical reasons um short video documentaries i mean i think i think if anything that's what a lot of our content in the magazine is like the closest counterpart in another medium would be you know your 60 second doc type stuff you know your vice stuff your new york times stuff you know like i think at our best we're giddy to show the readers people that we've encountered that we think have a remarkable story that not everybody knows. And if you'll notice, we never really have a lot of celebrities in our magazine. Columbus doesn't have a lot anyway, but we don't really just tell you like the things that are going on with people they already know. A lot of times it's like, hey, did you know that there's this person and you can see them at this business or you can 
go check out this show. And it's always trying to find that backstory. So it, it lends itself incredibly naturally to what you're seeing a lot of now on Facebook and Instagram and even like different, you know, online platforms. I mean, wholesale YouTube channels, you know, 60 to 60 second to 90 second documentaries about remarkable stories and everyday people. Yeah. I think that's probably the closest counterpart to what we do. Second to that would probably be a podcast. Second to that would be, you know, okay. Like I like this is something I find happening to me a lot. Since so it's a niche that can still be filled. I'm in the car and I don't read in the car. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's one of my rules. Yeah. Um, I don't read in the car and I don't really feel like listening to the radio. And sometimes I also don't really feel like listening to like, all the national podcasts that I listen to. But if somebody said, especially with as much as I care about and I'm interested in things going on in Columbus, I would love to be able to just click a button and at any point be listening to a series of stories of people that live and work around me. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. local radio stations don't do that. Right. Um, even local NPR stations don't do that mm-hmm. for the most part. There's just not enough actual bandwidth to, yeah. to put that programming in. So like, yeah, I would love to be the media group that's able to just keep finding more interesting everyday stories and and putting those out there and and not and not limiting not limiting when you take in our storytelling to just waiting on your food at a restaurant or at the North Market or you know right. sitting on your couch in front of your coffee table. Yeah, it it seems like you you really kind of captured something unique, maybe not unique to Columbus. I'm sure a lot of um, cities like Columbus are like this, but one of the appealing things about a city like Columbus is that, like you mentioned, like every, we're all just regular people. You know, in I think it was in the last six one four, there was a couple that moved from New York or New Jersey, yeah. and they're doing some real estate development. They they live down the street from me, and someone pointed out like, oh yeah, you know those guys that bought that house there in that magazine. I'm like. They're just regular people. And you hear about people that they open a new restaurant or they're in a new band or they're the editor of 614 Magazine. And you're like, you're just a regular. Yeah, there's no. Sure. But in something like New York, L.A., Chicago, there is kind of a tier of like there are local celebrities. There is maybe a like you. It's harder to access that type of thing. But one of the things about Columbus is you can access like that could be you. You anyone can kind of be that person in this city. Well, and I, and I think that's the, the ironic thing. And I don't want to get too nerdy about like our magazine, <laughs> but um, you know, I mean, they use the term wish fulfillment a lot when it comes to the magazine industry. And if you look around at the national industry, that wish fulfillment is uh, expressed in more of these sort of like vanity space. You know, it's, it's the beautiful people. It's the big houses. It's the nice cars. It's the, you know, it, so it's like, it's the, a lot of that magazine fodder sometimes is drawn on the wish fulfillment of like, oh, I wish I could be that. I wish I could be wealthy. I wish I could be this. Mm-hmm. I think in our case, and I don't think we meant to do this, it just organically happened kind of as an identity or maybe due to uh, our dearth of celebrity culture in a town like Columbus. I think it just naturally intuited itself to be like, oh, well, the wish fulfillment when it comes to why you want to pick up 614 Magazine is because you're like, oh, I could go to that place. Yeah. Or I could be that person, or I could know mm-hmm. that person. Not necessarily like, ooh, I hope one day I, I will. Right. I hope one day I will be on the red carpet. This is more just sort of like, oh, yeah, I heard about that taco place. I've been meaning to check that out. And now when I walk in, maybe I know that woman that makes the tacos. I know her backstory. And I right. know that her daughter also has a restaurant down the street. Yeah. It's that type of stuff that, that I think really keeps us interested in doing it. And, and frankly, I think people care a lot more about that stuff than they ever did in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. 
You know, yeah. I mean, more people are watching documentaries. Like I said, the 60 second docs that you see on Facebook, mm-hmm. NPR podcasts. I mean, more than ever before, like, I think people are finding the remarkable stories to tell in the mundanity of life. Yeah. And that's what half of our, you know, half, half of the Netflix original documentaries are true crime. I mean, <laughs> that's a whole other version of what I'm talking about, but it is kind of that, right? I mean, like, I, I'd say based on even when I was in college nearly 20 years ago, I think people care. I think people are entertained by being informed much more than ever before since I've been alive. Yeah. And podcasts, I think, are one of the things, and the, the resurgence of documentary work, I think, bears that out. This is a tough question, but I feel, I feel like we've kind of danced around a little bit. When you're building the magazine, is it the chicken that comes first or the egg with we have this style of how we want to do the magazine and we hope that affects the community that we're in or we're affected by the community we're living in. Ah. And that's the style that manifests in the, in the magazine. Man, that's a good question. Like, do you have a mission of like, I, I want to make Columbus weird or I want to make it uh, more fabulous or I want to make it more, um, no, I do homey not. Or, no, I do okay. not. I do think that I do think that the, the product, the existence of the product indicates that you should be a as best you can or to the best of your estimation a true reflection of the city so i think your only mission is to be like my only mission is for people who live in columbus to open it up and say oh yeah this feels like my city you will never be able to achieve that 100 percent. but i feel like if that's always your goal you'll always be in a pretty good spot like, for example, I, I find myself as, like, personally on floating in several different circles. So, you know, if there's somebody that I know who's who makes six figures a year, owns their own business, and lives in a much nicer part of town than I do, uh, I want them to feel the same about the magazine as my friend who works the door at Ace of Cups. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, think, and I think that's possible. I don't think it's 100% possible. But the whole document of the magazine, I really take joy in trying to put what you perceive those two groups to like, find the overlaps, and then increase those overlaps. In fact, uh, it's kind of interesting because right now we're working on um, our September issue, which always includes football, and in the last five years has always included fall arts. So now we have this kind of amazing thing happening where we're working on a cover that is a comic book cover of Ohio State football as a way to kind of do both of these and it's it struck me as I was working on this even 10 years ago those worlds were looked at as like entirely separate yeah the lunchroom is kind of eating together yeah now where they do so that so that in a perfect world if somebody was like did you see that in 614 it'd be great if somebody that has nothing else to do with them they're on a bus they're at a bar somewhere and they go oh yeah right on I read that magazine I always keep my eye out to like be like, hmm, interesting. I would have thought you wouldn't, or maybe I thought you would have. So with a little bit of time that we have left, um, want to kind of talk about the project that we're working on, which is kind of a different approach to building internships at a company instead of looking at like, well, there's these four different internships. We're working on trying to get uh, kind of a design group almost together, a small group of students. So let's let's just kind of talk about that the idea behind that, how you see that working, why you think that's a better model than kind of individually bringing on different people. Well, I think we've I mean I think we've talked about it, um, and I think it's kind of the like the theme of what we've been talking about through this podcast is 
this is an ever evolving product and there's this kind and because we're not we're producing the product but the raw material for the product is the city and it's people and it's businesses and it's breweries and it's initiatives and it's charities so that's the that's the main difference you know you can go be a graphic designer a photography intern for a company and no matter what you're always going to be limited by the product that they're trying to put out and the raw materials they're going to tell you what they are in this case we have this nearly unlimited set of raw materials and just less people and less creative brains to harvest them so that's really kind of what we're looking for what we're what, what our thought is is that if you're if you're in that field and you're trying to get real life experience a on a base level we can give you that from a more big picture like perspective what we definitely can give you is access to people and stories and i think whether you end up being an animator or you end up being a movie producer or a person who does billboards for Procter and Gamble at the end of at the end of every one of those projects is still an individual person maybe you're trying to sell them something maybe you're trying to sell your boss on the fact that this piece will sell them something or maybe you just want to give them to read it's always the same thing you know you look around at like you know advertisements like so much of them are still just based in people you're trying to get a human a genuine human reaction out of somebody you're, you're you're trying to get engagement so i think that's that's as much of anything what i think we offer it. and why i think the approach is what it is which is that if someone came in every day and they wanted to be a better graphic designer a better photographer or a better illustrator the hardest part of that in a vacuum as a college student in my mind is what is the idea like how do you get better you know if you let's say you're a piano player you can learn scales all day long but at some point you want to apply that to something that might be more meaningful to you your favorite song, a song that you've known forever and you thought was really complicated, now you can play it. I think it's the same thing, right? I think, you know, we offer an unlimited amount of prompts. <laughs> it's highball Halloween, it's craft beer, it's home decorating, it's comic book artists. We offer this kind of unlimited spinning wheel of content and creative prompts with which to choose from. And so there's just a seemingly unlimited way that we present that. And the best part is, as a monthly magazine that's free, we're an independent company. We're not owned by a corporation. We're not owned by a massive media group. We don't have a lot. And I think this is appealing to me and probably to college students. We don't really have a lot of people that we have to run things by. So at the end of the day, uh, it is up to us to be exactly how that mission of being true to Columbus can be done in so many different ways visually. In our case, we've been able to, you know, make the make the cover look like it's carved out of wood. You know, we did we did a cover once that opened up in the middle to something else. It, it's so much of this magazine being free from those shackles means that we can keep trying to reinvent what the actual experience of reading a monthly magazine is. So to to wrap up. What would you summarize to a student that might be interested in in working at six one four? Like, what's what's in it for them? What what can they expect? Um, creative freedom, a consistent, a consistent pipeline of creative prompts, and within that structure, um, collaboration. 
the 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 train the the real world training on how to collaborate and how to do it right, um, where the best idea in the room wins and there's no hurt feelings, but it also means that you know I'll never tell somebody not to do something. We may not print it, but you know I like we want to encourage all those artists that we know are out there that you know won't be afraid to raise their hand and say hey instead of a uh, you know, I want the type of person that even if we don't end up doing it, says like, could the cover be a hologram? <laughs> I want people that will think that way. Like we are nothing if not local pop culture, if we're doing our jobs right. You know, there's a reason why we write a lot about like new restaurants and breweries because that's what the culture is. So more than anything on a simplistic level, if you come be a part of our intern team from a creative standpoint, you get to, you get to use something real about the world around you that isn't just a product. You'll get to do that too. <laughs> yeah. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll have you making ads too, but you might be, you know, if you raise your hand and say, what about this? And we all like it. You could be the one designing the next cover of 614. There's no hierarchy to go through. There's no pecking order. There's no, there's never been any feeling of, well, you're new here. You don't know how it works. So just like, let us handle this for now. People have stepped in on day one of internships, and by the end of the day, they're, they or us or both of us are working on something that was their idea, and it goes in the magazine. And it's magical to see them look at it and go like, cool, that was like my second day. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, that's what's still fun for us. And I think that's never really goes out of style when it comes to the appeal of that if you're spending a lot of time in this creative field in a classroom. Well, Travis, thanks a lot for sitting down and talking. Thank you. Appreciate it. If you are interested in getting involved, come see the CCAD Career Services Office and we can talk about the details behind it. Writing and storytelling is a skill that will prove valuable no matter what job you end up taking. And I hope you'll consider the value this opportunity brings to bridge what you've learned and been able to do with your design skill so far into a new arena with a different mission. That's our episode. Thanks for listening. As always, make sure you go back and see our previous episodes. As I mentioned, we cover a lot of different career development topics. It's a great sort of how-to guide on getting started. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher, or like us on Facebook.com slash FirstUHustle, all one word. Enjoy those last precious hours of summer. It's time to get back to school. Take care. Our theme song is Mr. Boogaloo by the Juanitos Creative Commons license from the Free Music Archive.